life is full of high points and low points. And we sort of organize our lives according to those highs and lows. Um, A day of baptism is perhaps a high point in someone's life. A wedding day, the birth of a baby, different things are high points for our lives. And of course, there are corresponding low points in our lives as well. And uh, there are many elements in our community, many elements in our culture that reinforce this idea of high points and low points. All you have to do is watch an hour's worth of news on any TV channel, and all you will see are high points, and probably more low points. That's just how we sort of organize ourselves. But the Bible suggests a different orientation for life. Not to be tied down to circumstances that can change. Because the truth is, any high point will not last forever. The day of your baptism will end, and then it'll be Monday, and then it'll be Tuesday, and then it'll be the next year, and then it'll be ten years down the road, and the high point will not last forever. And neither will the low point, for that matter. If we organize our lives according to highs and lows, then we are susceptible to the changing winds of life and of joy and of loss. But if we organize our lives according to the principles of Jesus, according to the example of Jesus, then we will have a more firm foundation for weathering all of those storms, the highs and the lows, together. Jesus did not react to his everyday situations with huge amounts of joy or huge amounts of sorrow. He did on occasion, but he didn't let those events drive him. He didn't set his mind on earthly things. He kept his mind on heavenly things. He showed us a pattern for life which he calls us to imitate. And if I were to summarize the pattern of Jesus in two words, remember the show Name That Tune? I can name that I can name that principle of life that Jesus gives in two words death and resurrection that is what the principle of Jesus is all about death and resurrection there's no resurrection without death and without resurrection death is really terrible they go together and that's the story that we have rehearsed this weekend We have told the story once again of Jesus dying on Good Friday and rising to new life on Easter Sunday. These events give shape and meaning to the whole church year, to our identity as followers of Jesus, to our understanding of the universe. Jesus knew that the way to truly live is to give yourself away completely. Jesus knew that the perfect example of love is self-sacrifice. Jesus knew that the ultimate enemy that each of us will face one day, death itself, can be defeated, will be defeated, has been defeated. Jesus showed us that death and resurrection are the pattern for the kind of life that he calls us to live in the kingdom of God. Jesus died and rose again. And now his life is no longer affected by the highs and lows, the problems, the difficulties, the things that we might experience on a daily basis. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, 
ruling and reigning forever. His kingdom is secure. When a ruler sits down, when a king or queen sits down on the throne, they aren't going anywhere. Things are at peace and the kingdom is intact. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of his father. This is in fulfillment of Psalm 110, which is alluded to here in Colossians at a few different points. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under my feet. Nothing in all creation can ever change the reality that the dead resurrected Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, death and resurrection are the pattern for us who follow Christ. And most of the time when we talk about death and resurrection, it's usually at the time of a funeral when our hearts are very heavy. And that's appropriate because the pain and loss of physical death is relieved a bit by the hope that we have in final resurrection when Jesus returns at the end of the age. And that's all true. But Colossians teaches us something much more dramatic even than that. Colossians teaches us that we who believe in Christ have already experienced death and resurrection. A spiritual transformation of sorts that fundamentally changes our orientation to this life. No longer do we ride the roller coaster of highs and lows, enjoying the highs, suffering the lows. We have those, and those are part of our lives, but instead we have died with Christ and we have been raised with Christ. We have died with Christ by dying to the way of the world, dying to the way of sinfulness that we have known our whole lives, dying to the dualisms and divisions and false identities and false hopes that the world preaches. We no longer find our meaning and value and purpose in ourselves or our circumstances or our possessions or our power or our relationships or in our lack of any of those things. Our identity, our life, is bound up with Christ. Colossians says, hidden with Christ in God. In other words, kept safe, made unchangeable, held securely by the one who sits forever on the throne. Since Jesus died, we too have died. And since Jesus has been raised we too have been raised with him. We are held securely by God, even in the midst of the highs and lows of our lives. Our lives are substantially and dramatically different than they would have been if we had not died and been raised with Christ. It's not that we are guaranteed to have a perfect, carefree life or that we have just uh, just have to endure to the end of this life and then we'll receive our reward in heaven. It's that we have been raised with Christ even now and that the love of God sustains us in all circumstances of our lives. We set our hearts and our minds on things above and how we handle then earthly things is substantially and dramatically different. So we who are in Christ do not fear physical death any longer. Sure, we may 
grieve it and mourn it. And we may wonder what happens at the moment of death or what it feels like. Yes, of course, we grieve our loved ones who die before we do. But because Jesus has died and has been raised, and because we too have died and have been raised in him, we no longer fear death as the final enemy. But we live with confidence in Christ's appearance, in his final act of drawing all things to himself, making all things right in the universe. Today is a day of rejoicing in the baptisms of Mary and David. And I'd say to the two of you, Mary and David, through your baptisms, you have embodied your connection to Jesus. Your demonstration of how you have died and have been raised with Christ. And it's really natural to think of today as a high point in your spiritual lives. In fact, I have a certificate for each of you to commemorate today. It's that much of a high point. How often do you get certificates, right? But I'd encourage you not to think of today, not to think of your baptism as a high point in your spiritual life. Think of it as a milestone, yes. Think of it as a way marker, but not as a high point, because high points come and go. They fade quickly into the distance. Think of your baptism today as your participation in the pattern of life which Christ demonstrated, death and resurrection. Your baptism, and I'll say to all now, your baptism does not make you a Christian. That's not what guarantees that you are on the way to heaven. There's so much dualistic thinking. If you're going to heaven, then you do this. And if you don't do this, then you're not going to heaven. Uh, But your baptism, when you are baptized, you are embodying your participation in the way of Jesus. Dying to yourself, dying to the ways of the world, dying to the ways that you lived before meeting Jesus. Being raised to new life, being raised to whole living, being raised to a quality of life that doesn't depend on everyday circumstances, being raised to a life that is centered on things above in the midst of this very real, very tangible life. Uh, Baptism is a really crucial event because there are not many things that get us so embodied in our participation with Jesus. Uh, Not even communion, really, reaches it, because there you're just eating a little bit, and it engages your sense of taste and your sense of smell, maybe, I suppose. But it's not a whole body thing. I mean, you're t- taking in Christ's body and eats, but the, the, you can't mistake baptism. All of you goes in to the water. It's so significant. If you have been baptized, then you are called to set your heart and mind on things above. You have died and have been raised with Christ, you have entered into a dramatically different way of living. One which is not defined by earthly things, but a life that is hidden with Christ in God. So my challenge for you this day has a couple of different components. The first is to do some Bible reading. And uh, I'd like you to focus on Colossians. Um, At some point today, or maybe through this week, I'd like you to read the rest of Colossians uh, 3 through verse 17. I read verses 1 through 4. But that's really just part of the message. 
Paul, the author of Colossians, gets into the details of what it means to live a life that is raised with Christ in those next several verses. So Colossians 3, 5 through 17. That's what comes next. That's, that puts meat on the bones. Uh, bacon in the breakfast, so to speak. Otherwise, it's not worth having. Um, right? Okay. Um, that's, that's really where we get the details of what it means to live a resurrected life in Christ. So read Colossians 3, 5 through 17 sometime this week, and then spend 10 minutes or so in meditation on what it means for you, what it means for your, uh, for your family, what it means for your community. And then share your thoughts with somebody. Don't just keep it inside, but talk with someone about it. And then after you uh, finish reading those few verses, uh, at another d- time, another day, Take about 20 minutes or so, maybe half an hour, and read all of Colossians. It's four chapters long. It's very short. Just read it all in one sitting and get a sense for what it is all about. And you'll come across these words again, and it'll be a reminder of how you are to live and how we are alive in Christ. And ask yourself, how can I more closely imitate Jesus? As you read this letter. Now the second part to the challenge. Examine your own life for the ways in which our culture, our society, our media, our social media, our internal messages that we communicate to ourselves, how all of these things keep your heart and mind tied to earthly things. Watch this week for how many different voices are keeping you tied to earthly things? Are you thinking and feeling about earthly things or things above? What if you kept dying to yourself and being raised in newness of life? What if your life in this world were safely and securely held by God? Of course, there will be bad things that happen. But the guarantee is that you have already been raised with Christ. That fundamentally changes how we interpret the events in our lives. Examine your life and your world and the voices that you are hearing. And then again, share with someone what you are being challenged to do. How you are challenged to set your heart and mind on things above. Now I've said a lot about the Christian life addressing people who have been baptized, but perhaps you have not been baptized. And if that's the case for you, if you have never died with Christ and been raised with Christ, you may be hearing this message from the outside looking in. But let me assure you that just as Mary and David have experienced transformation in their lives that led them to this point today, just as they have been baptized now to show that they have died and have been raised with Christ God is able to do the same work of transformation in you. Your life can be hidden with Christ in God too. Christ can be your life too. You can move beyond the temporary joys and pains of this world and step into a new way of living that is defined by Christ who sits on the throne rather than by the highs and lows of our experiences. All you have to do is go through death and resurrection, which is simultaneously 
basically easy and hard to do. It's a decision that will change your life, and it's a decision that will take a lifetime to explore. It's the decision that Jesus made to die and to be raised, and because he made it, it's the decision that each of us has to make if we're going to follow him. So if that's you, if you need to make that decision, talk to me. Let me know. Let's discuss it. Don't keep it inside. You can come forward during our closing song or you can find me after the service, but don't let the moment pass by. And if you have already made that decision to go through death and resurrection like Jesus, then perhaps this final song can be an expression of your testimony. I'll follow him with rejoicing. With rejoicing, I will follow. I know he safely will lead me to my eternal home. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for the transformation in our lives that you have brought about through the death and resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. And as we rejoice with Mary and David in their baptisms today, help us all to be so inspired to follow you that we will go all in to follow you in all that we do. Help us to continually die to the past and to be raised to newness of life so that we might honor you and how we live. We give you thanks, we love you, and we worship you on high for you alone are worthy of praise. It's in Jesus' name, our living and risen Savior, that we pray all of these things. Amen.